بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وبعد بسم الله بسم الله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وبعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته First of all I want to apologize because I supposed to read the Citation the Quran last week, and I went to Birmingham for a wedding. So, we, inshallah, tonight we recite some Quran, inshallah. Secondly, we recite Surah Al Zumar, ayah from 36 up to 56, because of one of our brother who lives in London requested. And we recite, inshallah, the Qira'at Abu Amr. البصري القراءات لايك لايك فقه فقه is different as you know حنبلي حنفي مالكي شافعي and we should know the قراءات also أبو عم حمزة كسائي ابن عامر and these things is علماء and so there is a few difference not big things and finally, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make barakah this halaqah. And may Allah bless our Shaykh Abu Isa, Allah. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our good deeds. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make easy this long journey. As you know, we started this for last year. And still we are in, I think, Babu Siwak and Sunan Wudu. That means it's a long journey. So this needs for sabr. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our amal or our deeds sincerity, ikhlas. Jazakum khan, we start inshallah the qira'ana. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Alaysa Allahu bikafin abadah. ويخوفونك بالذين من دونه ومن يضلل الله فما له من هاد ومن يهدي الله فما له من مضل أليس الله بعزيز ذي انتقام ولئن سألتهم من خلق السماوات والأرض ليقولن الله قل أفرأيتم ما تدعون من دون الله إن أرادني الله بضر هل إن أرادني الله بضر هل هن كاشفات ضره أو أرادني برحمة هل هن كاشفات ضره أو أرادني برحمة هل هن أو أرادني برحمة هل هن ممسكات الرحمة قل حسبي الله عليه يتوكل المتوكلون قل يا قوم اعملوا على مكانتكم إني عامل فسوف تعلمون 
من يأتيه عذاب يخزيه ويحل عليه عذاب مقيم إنا أنزلنا عليك الكتاب للناس بالحق فمن اهتدى فلنفسه ومن ضل فإنما يضل عليها وما أنت عليهم بوكيل الله يتوفى الأنفس حين موتها والتي لم تمت في منامها فيمسك التي قضى عليها الموت ويرسل الأخرى إلى أجل مسمى إن في ذلك لآيات لقوم يتفكرون أم اتخذوا من دون الله شفعاء قل أولو كانوا لا يملكون شيئا ولا يعقلون قل لله الشفاعة جميعا له ملك السماوات والأرض ثم إليه ترجعون وإذا ذكر الله وحده اشمأزت قلوب الذين لا يؤمنون بالآخرة وإذا ذكر الذين من دونه إذا هم يستبشرون قل اللهم فاطر السماوات والأرض عالم الغيب والشهادة أنت تحكم بين عبادك فيما كانوا فيه يختلفون ولو أن للذين ظلموا ما في الأرض جميعا ومثله معه لافتدوا به من سوء العذاب يوم القيامة وبدالهم من الله ما لم يكونوا يحتسبون وبدالهم سيئات ما كسبوا وحاق بهم ما كانوا به يستهزئون فإذا مس الإنسان ضر دعانا ثم إذا خولناه نعمة منا قال إنما أوتيته قال إنما أوتيته على علم بل هي فتنة ولكن أكثرهم لا يعلمون قد قالها الذين من قبلهم فما أغنى عنهم ما كانوا يكسبون فأصابهم سيئات ما كسبوا والذين ظلموا من هؤلاء سيصيبهم سيئات ما كسبوا وما هم بمعجزين أولم يعلموا أن الله يبسد الرزق لمن يشاء ويقدر إن في ذلك لآيات لقوم يؤمنون قل يا عباد الذين أسرفوا على أنفسهم لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم قل يا عباد الذين أسرفوا على أنفسهم لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله 
إن الله يغفر الذنوب جميعا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم وأنيبوا إلى ربكم وأسلموا له من قبل أن يأتيكم العذاب ثم لا تنصرون واتبعوا أحسن ما أنزل إليكم من ربكم من قبل أن يأتيكم العذاب بغتة وأنتم لا تشعرون أن تقول نفس يا حسرتي على ما فردت في جنب الله وإن كنت لمن الساخرين صدق الله العظيم Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta taj'alul hazna idha sha'ta sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatika ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. It's good to see you guys uh, considering the weather and um, poor driving conditions but alhamdulillah. Um, so Jazallah khair to Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar And um, you might be thinking what was the tanasub Or what was the yani, relation of the specific chosen verses to this lesson And in actual fact there was no specific actual connection um, There was two things there as Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar mentioned um, He was attending the wedding of one of the three and a half million Somalis living in Birmingham. Um, and uh, so... <laughs> already, yeah, sah, sah. Wallahi, I started last week actually, but you weren't here. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to hold me back against Somalis? Are you kidding? Wariya, come on, man. So, um, and so, and actually because um, he had that pre-planned, obviously we didn't want to start our dars without the Qur'an. Quran which is Mubarak and it makes everything else Mubarak as well, blessed um, so that was, that, that's what was missing from last week and we didn't want to continue without that blessing so that's the first reason, and second um, reason that these were these specific verses is that um, the brother who uh, became, who was top student last year in the exam with an excellent uh, mark, the first of, of all the, the thousand plus that uh, entered for it uh, Awais Ali from London uh, one of his uh, prizes, if you like, um, uh, was that he could choose the verses that he would like to hear Sheikh Abdul Far uh, recite. So that was Surah Zumar, uh, Alhamdulillah. All right, so I think that um, I'm going to jump straight in because we didn't do so much last week, but there is actually one or two things that I do want to mention beforehand uh, to do with the class. Um, I think... Uh, Shazad has brought up the on the screen that you're watching at home the forum and I want you to know now that the forum old posts and new posts and everything is all up to date pretty much all up to date I myself went on and answered a whole load of questions last night and this morning 
and the rest of the LP academics team, they're up to date now. They're even going back and scouring the year one if there's some kind of lingering questions on some of the old material. So they're getting up to date on that as well. So that's good. Um, but it's a lot easier if your question hasn't been answered, then you just ask it again. Then it comes up on that new post kind of thing. And so it's easy for the team to catch it and respond to it. Um, also, we've really kind of taken it to the next level before the la with uh, the LP transcribing team. And Jazakumullah khair for those who uh, contacted uh, our uh, admin and offered their services to help, which is much appreciated. Again, I reiterate, if there are people... You see, we do want to uh, make this class as good, um, as smooth, as advanced as possible. And we know that there are you know, people out there that have got some great skills that maybe they're just not utilizing or they could probably add to their current schedule uh, a couple of pages of transcribing or some clever things that they can do with animation. You know, that's actually what we're really kind of uh, lacking on, graphics and animation. Anyone who's into motion graphics or uh, animation of any sort, then um, we would love to be able to tabulate and uh, put into graphs and, and even better into motion some of the principles that we cover and other stuff as well. So that would be really great if you do have some kind of skills online especially or someone here, uh, we're pretty much exhausted here, but online, then please contact the admin uh, email. Um, now the transcribed notes now are going to be checked by myself before they go up uh, properly. I want you to, um, like last week's lesson has, has already gone up and I really am specifically uh, pointing you towards lesson 27 and 29. 28 was a special by Sheikh Ihlan where uh, he had a separate thing. But 27 and 29 was when we covered the miswak in quite a bit of detail. Uh, I've gone back over and edited them again. And it is important, even if you attend the class right here physically, that you do go back to those notes because I do actually add comments and clarify uh, certain other un uh, things which are not so clear. And also if there's a mistake or two, then I will correct that in the notes. Uh, so that is important that you do go back and check that. So those are where the notes are. I want you to go back to that uh, regularly. Uh, keep in touch with the forum. It's now bang on active, inshallah. So that's what I wanted to say about that. Are there any other... Do you want to show them where the notes are? Or the... So the, the notes are... Uh, you can show them. I mean, uh, whatever. So uh, there you can see that... Um, you'll find it in a couple of places, actually. Under year two lessons, you'll see it under the section there, which is the current chapter that we're studying. And so when you click on the use of the tooth stick, because we've had more than a couple of lessons, you'll see that um, this is where you put your questions, and this is also where the transcribed notes will go. And the transcribed notes will go, and like I said, they're, they're, they're constantly updated. You can see there that Widad has put that back up again uh, today, and that's been re-edited. Uh, you'll see that. It's really good, mashallah. I'm, I'm really impressed with the, the whole quality of the, of the, of the piece. Um, and it's also at the top of the portal as well. It's also on the top of the forum as well. So there's many places you can find it. It's very difficult to miss, to be honest. All right. So that's the transcribed notes, meaning the detailed notes post the lesson. And we are adding extra parts and so on, some uh, hadith and so on. It, it, it's good. It's definitely something you should go back and review. And then, of course, you've got the class notes, which is the actual text. And that's obviously very, very sparse. But you would print that out yourself to write your own notes on if you want to. Or you go back and then you, you read the complete notes. That's up to you as you wish. Okay, folks, is that, is that cool? Any questions on that? Any? So definitely, though, for Siwag, really to get a complete understanding, to go back to do 27, 29 will really kind of uh, help you, inshallah. The other thing, of course, is uh, today we had the big return, alhamdulillah, of Bobby J. Bobby J is in the house, Bobby Jalani. Um, he has confirmed 
Did you confirm free food for all the? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah the terms and conditions. Terms. Okay, we got terms and conditions. Yeah. Okay. Any any, sorry, any Wednesday night half seven to half ten. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> any Wednesday night half seven to half ten. Guys, you know what we do? Let's close right now. We'll go and bankrupt the guy. It's okay. Next week, the dust will be bought live from... <laughs> Even better. Exactly. Next week, we can do mobile lessons. We've done that before. Next, next week is from Jelani's. Don't get too clever with us, son. All right? Yeah. All right. So if anyone thinks that I'm giving uh, unfair, undue publicity to Jelani's Cafe, um, which is on Wormslow Road, which serves... Desserts and things and like that, whatever. That's because I get free meals for because of it. And although I still haven't seen a free meal, and then what's happening there? She has every time we go, we end up paying what Makwas that is. I don't know what that is. But I just want to make it very clear that I'm delighted to promote anyone else's business as long as they fulfill our terms and conditions as well. We will give them front seat. They have to look after us. I mean, I'm not a doctor, am I? I don't have an ethics issue here, do I? Where I, I can't take medicine and can't then. Uh, promote it or something. There's not ethics issues. I'm not opening my own business. I'm not pound. They can come and grease my pounds with some chocolates and cakes and some chicken burgers. I'm down with that. I don't see what the problem is. I don't know why you're getting all upset about it for. All right. So just uh, you know, I'm making that very clear. Anyone who wants to uh, you know sponsor something or put something and gifts and gifts, <coughs> um, you know that's always a good idea as well. <coughs> gifts. <coughs> Shaz really likes gifts. Right. So. Where are we then? Should we? Yeah, I think we're on top of page 152. Uh, the Arabic text. What's the exact statement that we are on with respect to the English? Anyone can see that? Because I'm a bit lost with respect to that. As you can see, I'm moving this so carefully because after our wonderful start last week, threw everything down and destroyed it. Where are we? Anyone know? Is everyone asleep? 152, anyway, I think, I think that the English text is, uh, yes, okay, we've done page one. I think we agree with that. Page one is complete, absolutely complete. Brushing the teeth, using the soft twig, which cleans the mouth, which does no damage, does not splinter, is a sunnah at all times, except after zawal, for someone who is fasting. And this sunnah is not achieved by using the fingers or a polishing cloth. Yes? And basically, I think we've now made that very, very clear. Again, go back and look over the notes for some extra points. So the next line then, which we're going to, inshallah, cover today. So help me God, we're going to do this, inshallah, because we can do six pages, I'm pretty sure. In the Arabic, on page two of the class notes, uh, it says, مُتَأَكَّدٌ عِنْدَ صَلَاةٍ وَانْتِبَاهٍ وَتَغَيِّرُ فَمٍ وَيَسْتَاكُ عَرْضًا مُبْتَدِئًا بِجَانِبِ فَمِهِ الْأَيْمَنِ the translation of this particular statement is in two paragraphs. The first one, it is more emphasized before prayer, when waking and when the mouth has changed. One brushes lengthwise starting from the right side of the mouth. And then it is recommended to use oil every other day and to use kuhul an odd number of times. So that's the text, inshallah, which we're going to cover today, inshallah. So if we go to the Arabic of the, uh, uh, the, the text, uh, uh, the Sharh of Shaykh al-Uthaymin, alayhi rahmatullah, page 152, he starts off with the word muta'akkadun. Now, the reason that he needs to explain muta'akkadun 
Mutaakkad, mutaakkadun is close to what all us Paks knows as Mokada. Yeah? Sunnat, sunnat Mokada, yeah? Right? Because we're Paks, we don't play, say the, 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 the Hamza, which should be Mu'akkad. Mu'akkad means emphasized. Okay? And uh, Mutaakkad is something which is basically uh, an Arabic form of the same verb. Basically saying it is emphasized. Now, the reason that Shaykh Uthameen, he says this is Khabarun Thanin, Yani, this is a second khabar, is because he's now trying to teach us a point of Arabic grammar. Because actually, the way that this Arabic statement is formed, and if you don't know Arabic and or, you know it's not your area, then you 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 will miss this completely. It 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 is uh, quite it's, it's not obvious how this statement relates to the actual beginning of the chapter. It just says mutaakkad. Uh, now, if I read it to you in Arabic, okay, from the beginning. Meaning that the brushing the teeth using blah de blah blah de blah blah de blah blah de blah is a sunnah. Okay? But you could also read it at tasawuk and now just delete the entire rest of that entire sentence and just come straight here. Muta'akkadun. So brushing the teeth is more emphasized before prayer and so on and so forth. Okay? Now I don't know how that was that called in English. I don't, because I, I, I'm not a very good at grammar uh, uh, phrases, translating it from uh, the Arabic. But the khabar, we have mubtada and we have a, 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 a khabar in a verbal noun sentence. We have the initial verbal, we have the initial noun, and then a second one which then explains the, the uh, rest of the sentence and makes it meaningful. It is possible, as Shaykh Al-Uthaymin is trying to say, that a sentence in Arabic can have two khabars meaning two pieces of information in a noun form in, such, in a certain sentence to give two pieces of information from the same sentence. Just take that from me because I don't really, really want to go into that. If you don't study Arabic, that's going to be boring the brains out of you at this moment in time. If you do, then it's just an interesting uh, fact. Sheikh Uthameen, he gives the example that Allah says, وَهُوَ الْغَفُورُ الْوَدُودُ Meaning that he gives two, he gives two uh, uh, characteristics. Uh, using the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he's al-ghafoor and he's al-wadud. And sometimes when you say two things, the, f- the second one is a description. It's a description. Okay, al-sifa, meaning a description of the first. But sometimes there are two independent statements. It's like saying Allah is al-ghafoor. You could say hu al-ghafoor and you could say hu al-wadud. But here, here, and because of the Arabic structure of this noun sentence, we know that there are two khabar, khabaran, as Sheikh Uthameen, he wants to say. That's just a, a, a point for the people who study Arabic language. So, this is emphasized. Muta'akkad inda salatin. Adi inda means with the prayer. With. Inda means with something. What does that actually mean? What does actually inda mean? That's what we need to try and work out. Does that mean when we say Allahu Akbar? Does it mean during the iqamah? Does it mean during the, the lining up? What is it actually that this sunnah is, is, is met by? What do you need to do at what time? First of all, let's establish the evidence first. The Prophet ﷺ said, If it wasn't that I wanted, if it wasn't that I would have caused difficulty upon my nation, upon my ummah, I would have commanded them to do the siwak at every prayer. At every prayer. And the word, عِنْدَ, uh, okay, the word with indicates closeness. So actually, anything which is uh, a close to uh, any time which is close to the prayer time will be accepted. Some people said that this is can even extend to the wudu. Okay, 
They said that this closeness can be can be close to can include the wudu. We'll say two things. We'll say number one, this is too far. This is pushing the the the, the definition of ender too far. It's not so far. It's not so. Uh, 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 wide a definition that we can include wudu. Wudu could happen at home. Wudu could happen a while ago, you know. And wudu could happen actually right just before you come to the prayer as well. That's the first point. We'll say that enda is a lot more specific, much more close to the prayer. The second thing that we'll say is that this hadith has been narrated in exactly the same way. Lola and ashukka la ummati la amartuhum bisiwat ma'al wudu. And another narration ma'akulli wudu. That if it wasn't that I wanted, it was going to cause difficulty for my ummah, I would have commanded them to use the siwak during, uh, in every wudu, in every single wudu. So from that hadith, we also learn that it is a sunnah to do the siwak during wudu. We only with the part when we're cleaning our mouths with our fingers. If you have a siwak, that's better. And that's what Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen, he says here as well. He goes that the wudu, we can't say that this hadith is indicating that siwak for wudu will cover the prayer. He's saying no, because wudu has its own siwak moment. It has its own sunnah to be achieved when you do siwak there. What, uh, so this is the, this is the uh, position of Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen. So he basically says that Anything which is close to the prayer, even before the takbir, during the iqamah, this is acceptable. So we have established that there are two times to do the siwak. All right? According to the Hanbalis, as, as you remember from the last couple of lessons on this, that it has to be the siwak that achieves the sunnah. If, if according to the majority of scholars and according to the contemporary scholars and the tall position of this class, and Shaykh Uthaymeen, anything which brushes the teeth, as we said last week, will achieve the sunnah. So if you have a toothbrush in your pocket, all right? and you use your toothbrush, then that will do the job as well. So when would you achieve the reward according to the class position, the tall position? If you, during your wudu, cleaned your, your teeth, okay? And just before you stand for prayer, in the iqama, you have a quick brush of your teeth as well to freshen it up, to freshen it up, inshallah. So that's, that's the position of the class. According to the Hanbalis, you do the same, but with the siwak only. With the siwak only. Which prayers... In the Kulli Salah, at every prayer, this obviously therefore means it includes the Nafal prayers and the obligatory prayers. What about other things that we do which are like the prayer? Shaykh Uthameen asks, what about the Sajdat Tilawa and Sajdat Shukr? Meaning the, the prostration when you come across the verse of Shukr, a verse of Sajda in the Quran. Yeah? So is that the same? Do you do the Siwak before then, before you go to Sajda? And likewise, when you want to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for some good news, do you also do the Siwak then? As well, Sheikh Uthameen he says, he says that there's a difference in the uh, and also the uh, Salatul Janaza. What's the position with respect to the different types of Salawat? He says that um, that in the in the 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 uh, in the humbly Madhab, the Sajdatul Tilawa and especially Salatul Janazah of course, but Sajda to Tilawa, to actually go down and make Sajda, is considered to be a prayer. Now this is important when we come to this later on, in six years time, right? Because when we come to that, you will see that actually that means that when you do a Sajda to Tilawa, you should have the conditions for prayer as well. You should be in Wudu, you should be towards Qibla. This is the relevance of the debate. Because how we, de- how we designate what that Sajda is, then determines how we're going to do it, and at what times we can do it, and so on. So, for them... You are allowed and you should do the siwak before you do the tilawa and the janaza and, and, and so on. Okay? Um, and Shaykh Al-Uthameen says, actually, the difference of opinion between the scholars of whether it's a prayer or not, because if it's a prayer, then you would. If it's not a prayer, then you don't need to. He goes, it's irrelevant. 
He goes, the reason it's irrelevant is because we've seen that actually the Prophet ﷺ used to do the siwak all the time. And so with this statement all the time, actually any prayer, any act of ibadah, anything that you do, if you do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, copying the Prophet ﷺ, wanting a clean mouth to follow that sunnah, then you will be rewarded each time that you do it. Okay? But we won't say that it is masnoon, like a specific sunnah at these times. We will say in general, we are covered to do it at all times. And specifically, we are, we are doing a rewarded sunnah when you do it every wudu and every prayer. Then the, the, uh, uh, the mu'allif, Imam al-Hijjawi, he then says in Arabic, وَانْتِبَاهِنْ Okay, وَانْتِبَاهِنْ means that when you wake up, when you become aware, when you become uh, conscious. Okay, so um, this is the statement of, this is based, the evidence for this, is based upon the statement of Hudayfa ibn Yaman, radiyallahu anhu, he said, Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, idha qamu min al-layl, yashusu fahu bis-siwak. Yashusu fahu bis-siwak. That he, uh, whenever, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whenever he would wake, when he, whenever he would stand, uh, sorry, whenever he would awake at night, awake at night, awake at night? When he would waken at night, waken, yeah? Whenever he would waken at night, he would do this shus, yani yashusu, of his mouth with the siwak. What does yashusu mean? This is actually a difficult word, which the scholars themselves have, have defined. It means yaksinhu wa yudallikhu bis siwak, meaning cleans, brushes. And delta means actually to massage, right? That's the actual technical meaning of massage. When you combine all of this, basically it means give it a good clean, a good brush, and a good up and down, and good, you know, rinse out and everything. So, you know, wallop it around, everything, the full whack. That's what the Prophet ﷺ would do every time that he would wake up at night. Here's the key point, at night. Now, Sheikh Uthameen says that's what the hadith says, at night. So therefore, when you wake up at night, this is what you should do. But what the author says is every time you wake up, meaning during the daytime as, as, uh, uh, as well. And what Sheikh uh, Uthaymeen says, he goes, and this is, this is where I want to uh, use what Sheikh Uthaymeen mentions about a lesson in the Surah Al-Fiqh. He goes that, is it possible to use the Hadith of Hudayfa, which mentions the night, to establish the doing of the siwag during the daytime as well? He said, we can't use it directly because it's clearly specifying something very, very specifically. Meaning that it's saying at night when he woke up, he would do it. So I want you to, to tell me, what do you think? Is it possible to establish the evidence uh, for doing it during waking up at any other time like the author has? Anyone have any ideas on that? How is, is, that, is, that, is that possible? Uh, 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 other than other than for other than using the hadith of saying well actually every time is is uh, recommended, but now we've seen uh, Hudayfa has seen the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi do it specifically when he wakes up at night. So we can say that there's a specific reward when you wake up at night. Can we now say during the daytime if you have a nap, or you or you go to sleep in the morning and then you like after Fajr and you wake up in the daytime? No, that, that's is it Sunnah? Okay. So he saw him at night time. Yeah, you make him like a fully like just for a while, but not too short all the time. 
So, so the, the question remains, can we say it is sunnah to do the siwak when you wake up in the daytime? Yes. Based upon what? What's the evidence? Well, like, like, just sort of uh, try to explain, like, I mean, it's, it's awesome in, the, in every event when you wake up, like getting ready for prayer, getting ready for something like this. It's all the last thing. Correct. So if we have, as we discussed last week, the illa, uh, the reason, the Sharia reason behind the siwak being to be, being to clean the mouth, then if we step back and we look, then actually, what is it that that uh, causes the mouth to become unclean? or have a bad smell, then the obvious one is when one goes to sleep. And when one wakes up, then the, the nature of the mouth has changed. Now, that's not just when you go to sleep. Actually, it's, above, uh, it's uh, found in many other scenarios as well. Uh, after certain food, after certain long periods of silence, etc., etc. The question now is, can we use this evidence to say it is a sunnah, meaning that you will be specifically rewarded for doing it when you wake up in daytime. Sheikh Uthameen says that we can and we will based upon Qiyas. And this is our first introduction uh, as a class to the concept of Qiyas properly. The word Qiyas means analogy. And this is a very important source of, of, uh, of law. Meaning that when we don't find a specific statement, and we don't, we don't have a specific hadith which shows that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would wake up during the daytime, he would do the siwak. But that doesn't mean that we still can't determine the same thing because we look at the original ruling, all right? And there are different types of qiyas, and we're going to come to that later on. Um, and uh, the main thing for qiyas to do analogy is to find, again, the illa. You have to identify the illa. And you look at it in the asal, which is the original ruling that you've been given. Okay, so let's just use alcohol as, a, as, a, as an example. You have four components, okay, four qiyas. You have the asal, you have the hukam, you have the fara', and you have the illa. Meaning, you have where the, the ruling is found, what that ruling is, why that ruling is, and then what you want to apply it to. Okay, so that's the asal, which is where it's found, the illa, which is what the reason is, the hukam, which is what the actual ruling is, and then the fara', which is what it's going to be found in. Let's just use al alcohol as an example. The, uh, the, the asal is alcohol. That's the original uh, thing, object, alcohol, all right, to drink. The, il, the, the, the hukam is what? It's haram. The hukam is that it is prohibited to drink alcohol. So the asal is alcohol, drinking alcohol. The hukam is that it is prohibited to drink alcohol. The illa, the sharia reason is because it causes intoxication, as we mentioned last week. Now let's mention a fara. What would a fara be? What would be something that we want to try and find the ruling in? Heroin. Heroin. Very good. Heroin. Marijuana. Uh, crack. Weed. Any kind of drugs or anything like that. Yes? So that's the fourth important component. We now have... The, that's the, the, some guys come and ask us the question. Can I smoke weed? That's what he's asked us. He's asking about the fourth part in this four process. Uh, 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 this four component process. To us to do qiyas. If we are going to be able to give a ruling on whether heroin or weed is permissible, 
We have to first look in the Quran. We don't see anything clearly. We don't look in the Sunnah. We have no mention of heroin in the Sunnah or weed in the Sunnah. Okay, what we're going to do now? Ah, we're going to use Qiyas. Okay, well, if you're going to use Qiyas, you have to make sure that you have these four things there and you can identify all four components. Because without identifying these four components, clearly you cannot give a ruling on that, that fourth component, which is the fara, which is the issue at hand, which is the weed. So we look back and we say, right, let's look at the issue of alcohol. Do we have alcohol as a drinking thing? Yes, that's the asal. Do we have a ruling on that? Yes, it's haram. Why is it haram? Which is the illa, it intoxicates. Can we see this thing likewise intoxicating? Yes, we can. So if we can see it intoxicating as well, then it is similar to the asal. The fara, the branch, is similar to the primary matter, the, 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 the root or whatever. The primary thing, which is the alcohol. Same as that, they share the same problem, they both intoxicate, so now we say they share the same ruling, which is haram. We say to the guy, it's haram to smoke weed, or uh, heroin and so on and so forth. This is the basic components that you have to do qiyas. There are different types of qiyas. Sometimes... The, 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 the existence of the illa is very, very strong in the original thing, like alcohol, okay? But in the thing that you want to give the ruling for, right, it's not so strong. It's not so strong. It's not so obvious to find that intoxication. Therefore, the, the qiyas is not so easily done. Sometimes what we thought was the qiyas in the original thing, like the intoxication, Okay, for example, let's say that you have a really weak beer. Okay, if you have, let's imagine, I'm just going to ch check out a hypothetical here. I'm going to like just fry your brains. But imagine that there is no alcohol that exists on this planet at all, at all, except an incredibly weak beer, which basically means that you'd have to drink absolute gallons of it before you get drunk. Okay, is that clear? We have the Quran and the Quran says alcohol is haram. Why is it haram? It's, it's intoxication. We think to ourselves, gosh man, intoxication, we'd have to drink absolute bucket loads of that, that uh, alcohol on, on planet earth to get drunk. The ulama will say to you, no, still it's haram. It doesn't matter because whatever uh, intoxicates in a, small, uh, a large amount, it intoxicates, whatever intoxicates in large amounts also, whatever is intoxicating in large amounts is haram also in small amounts. Okay? So that's the rule. Okay then. Then we come across this substance, substance X, which some nerd in a scientist in a university creates, okay, and another drink, where a tiny bit of it, and it's not alcohol at all, it's actually a fruit juice, right? And a tiny bit of it, you drink it, and it sends you dulali, right? You lost your mind, do all kinds of bakwas, whatever, whatnot, don't know what's going on, blah, 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 it's alcohol times 100, and it's like whiskey times 50, right? So here we have an interesting scenario, we give the ruling upon it, haram immediately, it's haram. Now, what's interesting is that the type of qiyas that we use is different to the original qiyas. Here, the illa is weak in the original, the asal, and is super strong in the fara. Do you understand? And so, making a haram was really, really easy. Really easy. The exact opposite would be, we have alcohol, it's clear when you drink whiskey, it knocks you out. Now we have a substance, which is a drug. A medicine. But this medicine has no perceived actual medical benefit. It's been blagged in by some uh, a drug company and they put it under the, the, the guise of happy pill or something like that, all right? And in reality, if you take a couple, it causes a mild sense of intoxication, right? Here, some scholars might consider this to be haram. Even though the illa of intoxication, which is really strong in alcohol, 
is weakly found in the Farah. So here you have already two different types of Qiyas. Qiyas al-Awla, which is where it's stronger, and the other second type of Qiyas. And then you have a third type of uh, Qiyas, where actually the strength of their illa, the strength of the reason which makes it haram, is the same in the original thing, and therefore same in the thing that you're trying to give the ruling for. Is that clear? So those are the three types of Qiyas that you will come across. Now I want to just mention that the Hanafis, they take things to the next level, and they said that there's another type of Qiyas, which is outside of the system. Qiyas al-Jali, وَالْقِيَاسُ الْخَفِي الْقِيَاسُ الْجَلِي and الْقِيَاسُ الْخَفِي The obvious clear qiyas and a hidden qiyas. Meaning, uh, the hidden qiyas is when you look at something and to be honest, uh, uh, we can work out that it's haram. Uh, I don't know, let's use the example of uh, something of something, random. Smoking. Smoking. Uh, no, no, something which is uh, uh, in the Sharia, like clearly from uh, before. Uh, interest. Interest. Let's just use interest. Okay, I mean, that's, that's going to make it difficult, but let's say interest. So we've got interest, which is haram, and we try to identify what is it that it, is, that, that it actually causes interest to be haram. Is it the fact that the poor get poorer? Is it the fact that it's just pure oppression? What if everyone is super rich, for example, and then everyone's practicing interest and no one suffers as a result? There's some difficulties, you see. That's why, okay, sometimes it's very, very difficult to identify what the illa is. Now let's say that we come across a financial transaction that everyone's really buzzing about. Happy, it's getting them lots of benefit or something in our current time. And someone brings it to you as a scholar and says, tell me whether this is haram or not. And there'll be, you, you look at it and you'll spend literally weeks comparing them and trying to work out, because obviously this new contract, this new mobile phone contract that gives you a new mobile phone and cash back and points and money off and this and that, whatever, whatnot, in return for very little on your side, okay? It's a win-win for you. You look at it and it's, you're just winning every way. You got minutes, you got texts, you got you got gate, uh, 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 gigs of data. You got a new phone. You don't have to pay until 2015. You're on a three-year contract. You can see that you're going to end up paying about 10, 20 quid. You get a cashback check after six months. Blah blah blah. You look at that and you're thinking that's that's great. Now a scholar to be able to give a ruling on that, okay? He will have to try and find a reason to actually see this haram because that contract didn't exist at the time of the Prophet so to try and find that, he has to try and make a link. Because he's not going to find it in Qur'an or Sunnah. Alright? He's going to have to try and compare it to something which was existing haram. So if there was a contract which was haram, like an interest contract, at the time of the Prophet we'll have to say, is there a, a link that we, we can make an analogical link between these two so that we can make this haram as well? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Now you can imagine that if I say interest is haram and the contract that I've just described is darn obvious that there's not an obvious link. It's obvious that there's no obvious link. Do you agree? For someone to find interest, you're going to have to really dive in, know the system, try and work out where's the interest, where's the transfer of money, where's the increase in the money in, that, in, in a debt form, etc. etc. What do the Hanafis call this? They call this al-qiyas al-khafi, meaning a very hidden, uh, very difficult to find qiyas. Very difficult to find qiyas. Um, maybe they find it, maybe they won't. In the meantime, we'll allow the people to, to uh, use that contract. Because as we know, when it comes to contracts, financial contracts, the basic principle, 
as opposed to uh, ibadah, is that these are all permissible until we prove them haram, until we know clearly that they're haram. That's that's something else for maybe another another decade. Uh, the um, uh, the the question is is that if this is qiyas al khafi, what's the opposite of qiyas al khafi? Al qiyas al jali, the obvious qiyas. We finally got there in the end. What Sheikh Uthameen he says is that according to the Hanafi principle of qiyas al jali, which is a clear qiyas, this is obvious that the sunnah will be achieved when you do the brushing in the daytime. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ being seen brushing his teeth, waking up from the night, is not establishing the night thing here. It is absolutely blindingly obvious that the reason he's brushing his teeth at that moment is because his, the smell of his mouth has changed, which happens every time you go to sleep. Therefore, the sunnah is achieved even when you wake up in the daytime. And therefore, Shaykh Al-Fameen says, it is sunnah to do it during the daytime, using what we just called Al-Qiyas Al-Jali. doesn't take a genius to see the Qiyas is obvious, and that's why it's called obvious Qiyas. The uh, Jali Qiyas, the obvious Qiyas. Is that cool? Alright? Um, and likewise, any change of the uh, mouth. And actually, the Hadith supports that. As-Siwad Madharatil Al-Fam. It is a, a purification of the mouth. Meaning that whenever it's not pure, or not pure, then it's sunnah to do it. So this is also uh, good. The next point that he says, ardan. Um, one brushes lengthwise. So the class position, just to make it clear, is to use the siwak, is emphasized before the prayer, is emphasized when waking up at night time, and is emphasized after any time that you eat some dodgy, yani, uh, food, garlic, packed food basically. Yeah, anything packed, right? Or al-baked garlic sauce, which is absolutely gorgeous, by the way. But it is strong. And that could freak some people out. So, you like that? Do you get disturbed when you smell some garlic sauce in the salon? <laughs> Most of them are okay. Sheikh Abdul Ghafar is okay because, you see, he's become immune. So many uncles have burped in his face, Yani, right? <laughs> that he's actually become... <laughs> Then Kasmi, when is that disease going to stop? <coughs> it's never going to stop. We're going to be cursed for the rest of our lives, huh? Wallah, I want to say that if any single person here becomes an uncle and you burp in the prayer, may Allah not forgive you. <laughs> it's unacceptable because you guys have been complaining about this all your lives and then you become an old man, woman, and you burp on other people. Wallah, it's disgraceful. Honestly, it's disgraceful. These people need to be permanently using siwak and other stuff to stop burping. And you know, subhanAllah, it's so bad they don't even burp, like which is burp, yani, and they keep it. But they want to just share the love. It's <laughs> like, Bleh. you know. And what's even worse than that is the one who goes, <laughs> little sly one out the side, yeah, and knock you out on the corner. You know what I'm saying? You see people, they they're ashamed to make the sound, so they only make a small opening in the mouth. Disgusting, wallahi, disgusting. Because it's bile and, oh, billah. And also, wallahi, that's not just my pet hate. I've got to just let it out now. People who cough all over you in, in salah and everything. You know? Alhamdulillah, actually, people in the West generally, they don't do that, but still. One thing why we talk about this. What about smoking? Smoking? I've seen people, I mean, uh, regular prayers, uh, the hard, and nice beer, and everything for family life. You know? <laughs> smoke, and that. Yeah, now we mentioned this last week. Well, de- de- definitely, we mentioned it last week that, that one of the reasons that we say that siwak is so recommended is because the Prophet ﷺ has clearly prohibited people from coming to the prayer and harming the musalleen. And harming the used to be by garlic and onions and so on, and today it's by cigarette smoke 
and uh, BO and people not changing their shirts or whatever, or, you know, you know, I'm a big advocate of people coming to the masjid on bikes and, and running and all that behavior. But wallahi, they've got to have to sort something out. You know what I'm saying? They need to be bringing a spray with them and having a quick change and a quick spray spray and then standing in salah. I'm not down for these people when they like the behavior and just standing next to us and, you know, perspiring, perspiring all over the place and stinking. That's just not on. Because you can't suwag your armpits, although I wish you could. Right? So if we can find some kind of suwag for armpits, then I'm down for that. I'll say it soon and straight away. So... Um, the next, the next point then is وَيَسْتَقُوا عَرْضًا Meaning, uh, the, 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 this is the author, this is the Hanbali Madhab. They said that it is, it is uh, likewise required, uh, recommended to brush lengthwise. Okay, عَرْضًا Now, عَرْضًا, in the text, we know it means lengthwise. Uh, meaning that going this way. Here's the question. What on earth is it based upon? Right? Uh, and the, I'll tell you what it's based upon. The, the idea of yashusu, okay, is that it's shl- sloshing around. You know, if you see some of these guys with their nice, yani, big ones, yeah? Like big suak, like knockout ones, that are really kind of like flexible, then you'll see them that they go proper like, you know, you can't do the shh there, you can't do little ones. If you're a Saudi, you're doing it like this, isn't it? The little gay ones. You know the little ones? You gotta tell you what I'm talking about. The one that looks like it wouldn't even clean a molar. Huh? Then you've got the patan ones, which are literally tree trunks. You know, older two hands. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to beat anyone with that behavior. We don't want to enter that whole chapter of beating people. So, um, that's the... Uh, obviously, when you have this suwak and it's going back and forth and it, it just... It makes sense that it fits the definition. But is sense enough for us to say this to emphasize? Of course not. And so therefore, the uh, correct position is that there's no evidence for this whatsoever. And it's not required to do it lengthwise or straightwise. It is just a recommendation upon their anecdotal evidence that this is more clean. What is the correct position? The correct position is that you do your siwak or brush your teeth in the best way that will clean them. Per the situation, sometimes it's food is stuck in teeth. Other times, there's no uh, uh, food in there, and just requires a good uh, change. What's the uh, BDA uh, advice these days, uh, Shazada? Brushing the teeth. Twice a day. Uh, twice a day, you pack it. I'm talking about how. Oh, oh, that's a whole demo, man. This is a brushing technique. Small circles, uh, going around. Tooth by tooth, yeah, on the outside. Tooth by tooth? Yeah, starting on the outside, going around on the inside. And Start from the outside, come in. No, no, going around the gum the tooth. Go around the gum of the tooth. Moving around tooth by tooth by tooth. By tooth by tooth by tooth. All the way on the front, on the outside. Again, inside, the inside now. Huh? Inside. 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 You have to brush, I don't know how many times. <laughs> but the swag. Okay, then inside. Tooth, tooth Underneath? No, in the inside. Inside, how? Going back around again. Back around again. Inside, inside, not the outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then? And all the way around the front. And then? Yeah, all the way around the front, margin the tooth, and then again? scrub on the top. Scrub on the top. Oh, like, like that. <laughs> 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 finish finished by then, by the time we've done yours. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What kind of a class is that, man? They'll be there half an hour going, tooth by tooth by tooth by tooth. Give us a real practical one. You ask me about toothbrushing, so what is the, there's no BDA for them. Use a toothbrushing toothpaste. Okay, so for يعني, there is no evidence for this clear evidence. Therefore, it's not necessary to, to take this issue of it being lengthwise or, or thingy magic wise like that. The next part, which is 
but starting off with the right hand side of the mouth. Okay, so when you start your siwak, you start off on the right side. Now, again, we don't have a specific hadith which establishes that. Rather, we have the general hadith of the the he used to like be yeah he used to prefer that he starts with the right hand side in putting his um uh uh slipper on and in doing his uh uh beard we had this discussion last time and also in purification which is when I say beard, I'm meaning that the uh, oiling, which we're going to come to, and the uh, purification, meaning washing hands and so on. Actually, in everything. Actually, in everything that he uh, did. And so, therefore, um, the Prophet ﷺ has established right for everything. If you have the intention to do anything that you're doing, picking up something, choosing something, and you say, I'm doing this because the Prophet loved the right-hand side, then you'll get the reward for it. And using this, then even brushing from the right-hand side, surely it's, it's better than starting on the left-hand side if we know that the Prophet likes the right-hand side first. All right? So that's the, that's the uh, uh, point here. Some interesting statements now, which I, I found uh, useful. Sheikh Al-Uthameen, he said, okay, that's fine. So we start from the right-hand side. What about what hand? What hand should we use? Right-hand or left-hand? So he says that the scholars differed over this. He said, some of them said the right hand. Why? Because he said that the siwak is a sunnah. And a recommended act like a sunnah is getting closer to Allah. It's a obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you don't really obey Allah. This is what Shaykh Uthameen is saying. You don't really obey Allah with your left hand or the left hand side. You know that you're doing something positive. You're doing something good. Okay? And actually, whenever you see the left, it's always used in getting rid of harm or pushing away some kind of problem or dirt or etc. etc. So you wouldn't kind of see it in this kind of... Uh, 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 um, uh, based upon the general principle that the left is always used for the dirty, the bad, the undesirable, whatever, and the right is used for everything else. So that's the position of those scholars that said you use the right hand. And also, Sheikh Uthameen says, generally any act of worship done with the right hand, right side, is better. He goes, others said that the left hand is better. And that's the position of the madhab. The Hanbali madhab, they said that the left hand is better because actually why? It's other. Actually, you are cleaning uh, impurity. You are actually doing a cleaning process. It's almost like istinja. Okay, like you use your left hand side. Likewise, you're cleaning your mouth from bad smell, bad whatever it is, because it is izalatul other. So therefore, this is the uh, uh, basic principle. The Malikiya, they had a nice statement. They said, actually, when it comes to the right hand, left hand argument, we've got to have some detail. What's the detail? They said that if... You are clean, if you are doing the siwak to clean your mouth, such as when you wake up from sleep or because of some dirt, then you will use the left hand because this is izatul adha. If you are doing it for cleaning. As for if you are doing it for to achieve the sunnah, meaning your mouth is fine, 
But in wudu, you're doing it because it's sunnah, or you're about to stand for prayer, and you know that it's sunnah. You know there's nothing wrong in your mouth. You've just been having some breath mints or just sprayed oil in your mouth just now as you walked in. There's nothing there. But I'm going to do it because it's sunnah. I believe that the sunnah is in the siwak, which you know is what the humbly position is. And actually many of the traditional scholars, they didn't say it's about cleanliness per se. They said it's all in the siwak. It's all in the action. It's a sunnah to do it like he, sallallahu alayhi wa did. So then, for them, if a person comes in and he goes, I'm going to do it for the sunnah, then he do it with the right hand, with the right hand, and that is uh, preferable. And I've got to say, I love this position. I think this is a beautiful position. Maliki's knocked it out of the park as uh, usual. So that's fine. So anyway, I think that first of all, from a class position point of view, the uh, the issue is open, meaning that it is uh, 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 to use the siwak with the right hand is no problem. Believing that it is the uh, uh, it's an act of qurb. But I think that to follow the Maliki position in this is my personal position. And I think Sheikh Uthameen, he's leaning towards it. He likes it. That if you're cleaning it for some kind of reason, for then, then use the left or for just, just to do the sunnah, then the right. I'm not going to say that's his position though. I don't want to say that is his official position. But I want to say that he ends with that in a manner where he's saying, you know what, that's not bad. So I think that it's okay. And that's certainly the position I'm going to adopt. I want to now move to the next sentence, which is, it is recommended to use oil every other day and to use kuhul an odd number of times. Now, oil, okay, uh, 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 and I, if you want me to quote what Sheikh Uthaymeen ends this whole discussion with, right hand, left hand, he says, That the, this, issue, this issue is an easy one, an open one. Don't get too hooked up in it. There's no clear sunnah. There's no evidence that says something you must do this or must do that. Therefore, whatever hand you use, no problem. That's Sheikh Uthameen's personal position. I will say that I will use it for left when cleaning and right when I want to achieve a reward. Yeah, and when I know my mouth is clean. Okay, so let's look at now. Okay, adhan is the, the uh, word or duhun is the word for oil. Okay, oil is talking about hair oil. Hair of the head and hair, uh, hair of the beard. Now, this oiling is a general principle to look good, basically. To make sure that your beard looks good. Because in general, Muslim is meant to look beautiful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beautiful and he loves beauty. And so, and he loves that his servant shows that beauty when he has been blessed with that ability to, uh, the financial ability and so on and so forth. And so, uh, a, a well-oiled beard is something which the Prophet <coughs> used to do himself and be seen with. And we have seen him criticize companions specifically for having beards which are not in a good shape. That uh, they're so involved in their work or da'wah or whatever that they're starting to lose sense of their own selves. And also when you look at the process of hajj, you'll see that the hajj is, this is something which is not done. Oiling, perfuming and so on and so forth. And it goes into the sha'than ghubara. As the Prophet said in the hadith of Hurairah in Sahih Muslim, that when the slave comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making dua, the one of the reasons why Allah accepts that dua on Arafah is because he's so miskeen, so dirty, so disheveled, so dusty, so tired, he's really like in anything but luxurious kind of conditions. And so there's that kind of understanding that in the good times you really show it, and at other times you, you are emphasized actually on Arafah to be as rough as possible if there is such a kind of concept. Anyway, that's, so this, this is a, a positive thing. Uh, you'll know that um, 
uh, in our culture, in the pack culture, this is something that we used to do quite regularly, but the oil was so poor, Wallahi used to use it, it's like yani, uh, machine oil. You know? Yeah? I think it probably was actually. <laughs> it probably was machine oil. I mean, I used to run like that from that stuff. Yani, God, it was thick and disgusting, and it might have well just been cook your eggs on it, behavior. You know what I'm saying? It was rough. Uh, but today, obviously, there's a whole much more refined thing. It's actually more closer to the sunnah. Back in the sunnah, they were able to produce, back in those days, they were able to look for very natural sandalwood. And was it, what's that? Jabab? Jabab? Jaboa? Who? Ghoba. J-O-J-O-B-A. Yeah. How do you say it? Ghoba. Subhanallah. How do you spell it? J-O-J-O-B-A. Exactly that. That's the exact word that I saw. I had no idea how to say it. Okay? Jova. So that's very good. So this kind of natural kind of occurring uh, plants, fruits, berries, and so on, they would be mixed in and you would create this kind of uh, oil which gives, um, you're combining between a lush look, a healthy uh, for the hair look, and also the aroma from the beard is pleasant as well as having that aromatherapy effect where it has kind of uh, positive that's a whole area of medicine, which, you know, certain uh, oils and their scents, they have like a positive effect upon the body. We mentioned that a little bit last week. So that's established from the Prophet ﷺ, okay, that he would do that, especially on Jum'ah, especially on Eid and so on. Here, the text says, Ghibban. Now, Ghibban, okay, has been translated as every other day. We've translated it because that's the easiest way to translate it without writing a sentence, Okay. But actually, ghibban doesn't mean every other day. It means not every day. That's what it means. So it could be day on, three days off, day on, four days off, day on, day off. That's what ghibban actually means. But technically, when we're translating it, we'll just say every other day, and that works, okay? The point is, the ruling is, you don't use it every day. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that because the Prophet wasallam in, a, in a quite a few different narrations, in, a, in one specific narration... He said, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Nahana Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, an an yatmash an yatmashqa ahduna kulli yom." And this hadith has been narrated by Ahmed and Abu Dawood and Al Nasai with an authentic chain that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he he um, forbade us from beautifying ourselves in this extreme manner every single hadith every single day. Every single day. The Messenger of Allah prohibited us from doing this uh, 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 manner of beautification, this oiling and so on and so forth every day. There's another hadith, Abdullah, and this is narrated by Ahmed and Abu Dawood, and it has an authentic chain. And there's another hadith narrated by Abdullah ibn Mughaffal, and uh, radiallahu anhu, he said, Naha Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi illa ghibba. That he forbade us from uh, oiling our beards except every other day. Okay? This is narrated by Imam Ahmed and by Abu Dawood and by An Nasai and by At Tirmidhi and he considered it to be authentic and it was considered authentic by Imam Al Nawawi and by Al Hafid Al Hafid Al Iraqi as well. Okay? And Imam Ahmed said in narration, in, in explanation of this hadith, he said, Ghibban ma'nahu yadahinu yawman wa yawman la. Meaning day on, day off. Okay, that's his opinion. Uh, that it's day on, day off. But in general, it's not every day. So why is that? Because it makes a person start to lose touch with reality. 
you might say, why not every single day? Why don't you look fine every single day? Because that level of fine is just too much. It's going into vanity. It's, it leads into the whole idea of spending hours in the mirror, checking every little thing, and all this kind of uh, uh, a kind of uh, environment or culture that it creates. You know, and that's a very kind of metrosexual kind of uh, thing. You know, like you have this modern day man who spends a lot of time looking after himself and so on and so forth. For me, it's very, very clear why you wouldn't do it every other day. I think what's really interesting. Uh, Sheikh Uthameen says something similar, but completely the other way around. Okay, he goes, okay, and I was going to uh, read this out at my own peril. So he goes, he goes, it's not good. He goes, he goes that uh, it's not good. Uh, 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 المحمودة, he goes, it's not yani, praiseworthy to be doing this kind of stuff every single day. Because there's a hadith narrated in the Sunan of Abu Dawood and Nasa'i that the Prophet Al-Irfa, okay, is getting addicted to luxury. Basically becoming like Shazad. Uh, yeah, right? Lives a luxury life, yani, mashaAllah, day and night. Huh? Abu Dawood, we're not saying that anymore? Oh no, sorry, sorry. Shazad is not involved in luxury. Basically, we're talking about someone getting so soft and comfortable that he can't yani, handle like any kind of difficulty or any kind of real situation where to go out to jihad, for example, would be like, what am I going to do about my nails? Huh? Uh, uh, what about my hair? What would it look like? Oh, you know, something, you know, some gay behavior. So uh, I'm telling you that that whole metrosexual thing, it plays into that. Once you keep focusing on how you look every single five seconds, every single day, then it starts to get messed up. You know what I'm saying? There's a balance there between going too far and not looking like a right tramp. Yeah? And obviously, we're not saying that far, right? Mm-hmm. There's something in, in the middle, every couple of days, every whatever, looking nice, that's great. But going too far, whatever, that's not right. And that's why, subhanAllah, hajj is a, is a humbling experience. Yeah? Especially two hajjs in one trip. Sleeping on an airport floor and Muzdalifah, that's enough to throw luxury out of the park. You know? It's great. On the same trip, I slept on the most amazing bed. I didn't even know what was going on. And on that same trip, I slept on a surface where I didn't sleep a single second. And I thought, wallahi, this is only to balance this bed. So I'm not going to sleep on that bed ever again, Yanni, so I don't get hit like that so hard. So, and I'll tell you what's really interesting. He says, and he goes, A, la yanbaghi an yukthira min irfah nafsahu. He goes, one shouldn't himself intrinsically push himself to a luxury, addiction to luxury because the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said now listen to this hadith listen to his understanding he said inna khayrukum qarni thumma alladhina yalunahum thumma alladhina yalunahum um i actually i'll just translate because it's a long hadith the best of you are my generation then those that follow them then those that follow them after them there will come a people that will give, that will rush to give witness, but when asked to give witness, they won't. They will betray, they will not be considered trustworthy. Um, they will make many promises. They will never fulfill them, but they will never fulfill them. But they, ne- but they will never fulfill promises. 
So they will make promises to other people, but the ones that they, uh, but they will not, they won't fulfill those promises. And uh, obesity will come in between them. Yani will arise amongst them. Obesity will ar- arise amongst them. This hadith is written in Bukhari. It's famous hadith. Okay? So obviously we know it's true. We know no doubt. I mean, you look at uh, after the Prophet's generation, what has happened to people? People have become rubbish, basically. Right? All liars, all cheaters, all fraud, all, you know, uh, the meaning of yashhadun wala yustashhadun means that they will rush to give false witness. You know, like if they see some kind of benefit, like a friend has is, is, is got some kind of problem, but they know that if you go and give a fake witness, then the problem will be solved. So they, they rush to give it. But when it comes for the real reason in a court of law to help someone, and you did see a crime, and they ask you, can you be a witness, please? No, no, I don't want to be a witness. So the real thing that the shahada is for, they don't want to do, but using it in a fake way or haram way, they rush towards it. And likewise, the other uh, characteristics, we know that that's happened. Basically talking about us in our generation. And obesity, you know that that whole thing is messed up big time. Yeah? Don't be looking at me for, Bobs. What are you trying to say? Astaghfirullah, did you see that? Listen, I, I, I can make myself super thin, by the way, but the aunties, they complain. They said that, you know, your cheeks, they, they, they need to be more plump. Seriously, well, how can I, I, I can't, I, it's not just you guys that I have to please. Do you understand? I have aunties out there that take this class very seriously. And these aunties, they come to my other classes as well. And they look after me very, very well. And give me dishes and presents and gifts. And they want some, uh, 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 they want nice cheeks. My mum also wants nice cheeks as well. So don't say that, you know, we're getting to obese levels here. <laughs> so, so, astaghfirullah, we're going to finish this. We're going to finish this. We have five minutes left. All right, watch this. So anyway, what he says, he goes, فَالسِّمَنْ يَظْهَرْ مِنْ كَثْرَةُ He goes, Shaykh Al-Tayyim he goes, this hadith has, has, has basically established bad characteristics. And how, does, how do people become obese when they become too luxurious? I just want to say that I've done hajj, yeah? So don't be looking at me, right? So they said that, he said that you get uh, 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 fat if you are too luxurious. And therefore, you shouldn't become fat or obese. Therefore, you shouldn't become too luxurious. So therefore, what is too luxurious? When you're making, when you're tying yourself up every single day, basically, and you're making yourself look like some kind of clothes horse. So this is basically what he's trying to say. This is his uh, thinking. I don't, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think it's just easier to say that you know what it is. Just don't turn yourself into like one of these metrosexual gay boys kind of thing who's looking at this every single day and doing all this behavior. That's enough for me. And actually, my proof is that when you look at metrosexual men and people who look after themselves and groom themselves every day, actually, there's very little obesity amongst them. Truth be told. In fact, they care so much about their appearance that for them, obesity is like the big no-no. That's my argument. Allah. So anyway, um, what, uh, what does um, uh, the sheikh say? He says, the main thing is to completely leave oiling your beard and your hair and making it good and uh, healthy and so on is, a bad, bad, is bad news. And to do it every day is even more bad news. Make a balance. Keep a balance. Okay? And to finish off then, he then, uh, uh, we come to the section which says, 
um, and to use kuhl an odd number of times. Kuhl is what we call surma kajul. Kajul? Kajul? Kajul. Is that Urdu? Is that Urdu? Kajul. Surma, kuhl, you know what I'm talking about. And it's, it's basically um, lead sulfide as an original uh, product. And in the East, that's what they uh, make it from, lead sulfide. And in the West, they swap the, the lead for carbon, activated charcoal, other kind of more safer things, because they, they have some big doubts about putting that in your eye. The most common form of kuhl is antimony, which is called ithmid. Okay, the Arabic word or the hadith, the Prophet authentically, the Prophet said, use ithmid in your eyes because it is good for the eyesight. It's good for the eyesight. Now, I'm going to be honest with you and say that there has not been some massive clear proof from a, the science point of view that exactly what this benefit is. It just seems to be anecdotal. It seems to be anecdotal. The Muslims, and not just the Muslims, the ancient Egyptians and Chinese and all these kind of folks have been using uh, antimony in their eyes as a cosmetic and as something to strengthen eyesight for many, many years. Sheikh Uthameen, he mentions, um, he mentions that many of the scholars, they considered it to be uh, when you use it, you use it three times in each eye, and the reason is because you definitely will be using it every night because it is an action that the Prophet ﷺ has asked the people to do. Now, here's what I, need, I want to discuss with you very quick, very quickly. And Sheikh Uthameen, he says, and this is translated in English if you want, he says that one of the best, uh, uh, tr- uh, the best treating of this subject is by Ibn al-Qayyim in his book Zad al-Ma'ad. Okay, and that's translated in English as well. And you'll see him discuss this in a lot of detail. And he mentions a story, of a legend of this woman, a legendary woman, which actually it's not even clear whether she existed or not, but she is mentioned in some of the books of the biographies. So we, actually, I looked, and I mean I looked, right? And uh, uh, no book of biography can even give her a birth date or a, or a date of passing for this woman. But she does seem to have existed, and her name was Zarqa al-Yamama. And yet al-Yamama, because she's from the Yamama region in the eastern region of Saudi Arabia, the Najdi region. And she was famous because she was able to see the enemy or someone from three days' journey away. Three days' journey is like, I don't know, 100 plus miles or something like that, or whatever it is, 100 miles or whatever. And there are many... Uh, uh, and she's very famous in Arabic poetry and proverbs, and she's always mentioned in that kind of like a poetic way that you can see like uh, Zakat used to see and so on. I mean, the story is actually very interesting. She was defending her people from an oncoming army. The army knew how good she could see, and they knew it. And so they tried to disguise it by creating fires and things like that, yet she still saw it from miles off. She said that I can see fires, I can see people doing lots of things, uh, using fake bushes and stuff, but I can, I'm telling you there are people behind that. She told her people in Najd, in Yamama, they refused to believe her. She made this poetry, she said that they said that I'm a liar, but I don't, and I can see this is not a small matter, blah, 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 long poetry. And basically they came and they killed her. And what they said is that, when they, they, this is also some sick behavior, but they took out her eye. And when they took out her eye, her eye was completely coated in antimony, ithmid, all right? And that's where the legend comes from, uh, that it, can, it really does help. Anyway, we don't know that. The Prophet ﷺ has just said that it should be used. And uh, uh, that, that, that's, that's uh, all we should uh, look into it. 
uh, we don't need to really prove to ourselves that it is so good or so not so good and so on. Um, but there is an issue. There is an issue. Is is it? This is obviously for beautification. This is for the health. What about how people use it, which is for beautification, i.e., like mascara? Is this something that should be used for men and for women? Uh, the answer is that it is something which is legislated for women, no doubt. As for the Amar Amar Rajul Falaysa Bihajati ila Tajmila Aini, Sheikh Uthameen, he says, for men, they have no need to beautify their eyes. Right? This is basically his statement, it comes straight out. He goes, that some people said that no, it is. It is uh, okay for men to beautify themselves because the Prophet Sallallahu he was asked, yani can, uh, 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 the Prophet Sallallahu was asked in the hadith which is narrated in Muslim, in hasana, that we'd like our chapel to be nice. We want to wear a nice chapel, yani, you know, is there something wrong with that, O Prophet? And he said that, in Allah jamilun, Allah is beautiful and He loves beauty. So under this general kind of hadith, it is something which um, can be used. Shaykh Uthameen basically settles with the position which he closes with. He says, if there's a problem with the guy's eye that requires this, that will become fixed by this, then it's fine. Otherwise, no, it should not be used for beautification. And he said that there is a, uh, and there is a fatwa, he said that um, in in um, in his fatwa, it's in, the, in the footnotes, he was asked this question on a run of the radio stations, and he was he basically said that in my opinion, if someone's young and it's a time of fitna and other people are going to start you know falling for him basically, then it's haram for him to use it. Otherwise, when it becomes an old skin, yani, then it's no problem. Let him use it. This is his basic position, and I wanted to show you why it's a problem. <laughs> Shaz, bring up. We've got some a uh, couple of pictures that I wanted to uh, close with. Um, first of all, uh, this is one of the uh, 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 brands of beard oil, which is very very good. I'm not promoting that that company, but it's good stuff. Okay, and that's the useless picture. Shaz, take it up. Yeah, and show them the 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 components of it. I don't want to see the bottle top. Oh my day, Shaz. I knew I should have done it myself. There we go, right. Lavender and bloody blah and God knows what. I don't know. Right, next one. The next picture is a picture of the kuhul, uh, uh, just so that you know what we're talking about. That's what it is. Surma. Okay. And this next picture is why... It's not allowed. It is allowed. Is it? Allowed to show you why it's haram. Yani why, you know, most people who are going to do this are, are either gay or metrosexual. Okay, go on, put it up. See this guy? Look at this. This guy rightly was kicked out of Saudi or whatever. Or maybe it wasn't true or not. But this guy, look at that. I was a billah. What's he doing, man? You know what I'm saying? This guy was the one who was in all the headlines and whatever, whatnot. I don't care how good looking he is, mashallah, jazallah khair. But what's he doing with his eyes? He's doing that intentionally, isn't it? Because the girls like all that bakwas, isn't it? So, this is exactly what Shaykh Uthameen is talking about. You've got young... Shaz... Shaz doesn't like that behavior. You see, Shaz is strict. He took it off so quick. Yeah. So you saw that. He doesn't want to cause any fitness. So that's what Sheikh Uthameen is talking about. I think that closes. That's good. I'm, I'm glad. We did six solid pages. Closed off two pages in the text. And that means then that we can start a completely new section uh, next week. Inshallah, I'm, uh, this weekend I will see uh, the folks in London. 
for fiqh of death. Remember, there's no free Friday. Everyone who's in London or surrounding areas, there is no free Friday. So it's in QMW. Um, I think tonight, actually, the prices go up. So you better uh, um, purchase your ticket, I think, before midnight or something like that, before it goes up 10, 20 quid or something. So Saturday is the start of that fiqh of death. Um, and that's pretty much it, inshallah. Any questions? No? Great. Okay, we got one question. Oh, you got things online? Oh, I just saved them. You don't have to read them. Yeah? Okay, yeah, bro. What happened to the brother who So, homework was last week, the brother who, he did his uh, prayer and he couldn't be bothered to stand up for the standing and the ruku'ah, which are arkan of the salah. Yes? That's the question I put, isn't it? Remember? I described it in detail. What is the answer? Who found the answer for me? Yeah. Salah is not valid because he missed the arkan. The imam takes the mistakes, correct? Correct. The imam can only handle sunnah mistakes and wajibat mistakes. So therefore, his salah is not valid. Therefore, his salah is not valid. So he should have gone back to that position. So he should have gone back to the position where he missed out the rukan. And How? And redo it. How? Yep. So he should have done it quick. He should have done it quick. He should have done it quick. The answer is correct, okay? But the, the difficulty is that what should he do? First of all, his prayer is invalid. No doubt about that. The Imam does handle all the mistakes of the Musalli, but not you missing a rukan and then not you missing two rukan as well. So you have two scenarios. You either make it up if. According to the Hanbalis, this is their, their position, and I like it. As long as the Imam has not moved on too far ahead to the next Rukam. So if he is in Sajda, for you now to go to Ruku' is too late. But for example, if you've missed the Ruku' and he is still standing after Ruku', you've got time to go into Ruku' and come back up and then go down again. So if you are able to catch it before he moves too far ahead, that's how you make it up. This guy though, he just stayed where he was. And in the sajda position, he just joined in. So here we have second scenario. What happens then is that when the imam gives a salam, he stands up and he goes back to where that problem was and he starts again from there. So he will stand up, he will go into ruku' and then he will stand up and he will continue the entire prayer from there. And that is the position of Sheikh uh, Abdul Aziz bin Baz alayhi rahmatullah. That's his fatwa. That's his fatwa. And that's what he gave. So uh, that's the answer for the uh, homework. No homework this week. Um, other than, no, no, there's no homework, inshallah. What we'll do is that the quiz got late. We had a long bumper session because Sheikh Abdul Fah decided to recite like half the Quran. Yeah? <laughs> was it your fault, Sheikh, or was it mine? <laughs> so uh, what we'll do is that these questions here, I, uh, please put them in a forum. Any questions that you have that are outstanding online, please put them in the forum. I'll, I'll make sure I answer them. Um, or one the brothers go. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Shadu wa la ilaha ilaha. Wa astaghfiruk Allahumma. Wa tukuruk. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.
Okay, so just a, a local uh, announcement. Um, there is going to be... Um, this doesn't say anything, bro. Where's that brother gone? doesn't say anything. Yeah, but it's no date or anything. It's a monthly project. Okay, so it's a monthly project, Help the Homeless, in Liverpool. Okay, and what, what should they do? Uh, okay, all right, okay. So you know what, if you're in the Liverpool region... Then, uh, or coming from that region, then there's a phone number here that you can contact. It'll be outside, then you can call that, inshallah. If the brothers allow the sisters to leave first, then that'll be uh, great. Is that enough? Have you put that outside? Yeah. Oh, you got one outside. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I, I just uh, thought something for the sisters, you know, um, one of the positives of, I just thought about this earlier on, that when we say that the sisters have to leave first, it's almost like we're kicking you out, isn't it? Because the brothers, and they chill and they relax and they kind of whatever. And I don't want the sisters to miss out on that thing amongst themselves. But then we're saying, you've got to leave first because then the guys who want to leave, they can't leave. You see what I'm saying? So is there any sisters that object to that? Being told to leave straight away? Good? Well done. Jazakumullah khair. See you later then. Off you go. Close the door. What's happening, Yara? No one has hooked up anyone, don't want to speak to anyone, unless it's on your terms. I don't know idea, Yara. Oh, bro. Liverpool are killing it, man. How can we make. How can we. Bro. Maybe, but my captain is Suarez, bro. He's the best player in the He's my captain. He's made me. He's made me. Who's your captain? Yeah. Yeah. I've kept. I kept Suarez captain for so long. No, but I'm gonna buy it. You You bought it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh